This is Mitch Peterson, and you're listening to General Conference Applied. Thank you for joining me for Season 2, Episode 16. In this episode, we will be discussing Sister Amy A. Wright's October 2023 General Conference Address, which was entitled, Abide the Day in Christ. As we begin another episode, just a reminder that I have included links to show notes from this podcast episode, the talk outline, my my website, social media, etc. in the podcast episode details that you can access for to, to take this podcast episode a little bit deeper. As we begin, if you remember nothing else from this podcast episode, remember this. Sister Wright is inviting us to simplify life and focus on Jesus. Sister Wright is inviting us to simplify life and focus on Jesus. As we've discussed in previous episodes of General Conference Applied, it's important to identify the fundamental doctrine, principle, and Christ-like attribute of each General Conference address. In Abide the Day in Christ, I identified plan of salvation as the fundamental doctrine, the second coming of Jesus Christ as the fundamental principle, and patience as the fundamental Christ-like attribute. I have included a detailed breakdown of this doctrine, principle, and Christ-like attribute in the talk outline, and I'll share some additional insights during this podcast episode. In each episode of General Conference Applied, we're attempting to answer two questions. First, what is the speaker inviting me to do? And second, how might I consider taking action? So in Sister Wright's talk, this is the invitation that I identified. Quote, we need to simplify, focus our efforts, and be gatherers of the light of Jesus Christ. We need more holy and revelatory experiences, end quote. So what this means to me in six words or less Simplify life and focus on Jesus. Simplify life and focus on Jesus. Now, before we dive into how we might take action on this invitation, as you're aware, I'd like to provide some additional context. Things, talk about things that stood out to me from the talk, share some connections, to other resources. And so starting in the previous episode, so this would have been season two, episode 15 of General Conference Applied, we, in in that episode, we discussed President Emily Bell Freeman's October 2023 General Conference Address. And I shared how now that for the rest of this season of General Conference Applied, we will not be covering talks by the first presidency or the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, because those talks have been covered now, I'd like to share the bio for these speakers. So Sister Amy A. Wright, she's the first counselor in the primary general presidency. She will not be speaking in every general conference. It could be a year or two before we hear from her again. And so I I think this is beneficial to, to share the bio. And this is available on the church's website, and I've shared links in the podcast show notes and and such, but I thought that that's a good way for, for us to get a better feel for who it is who's speaking to us in this general conference address. So here's Sister Wright's bio. Sister Amy A. Wright was sustained as first counselor in the primary general presidency for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on April 2nd, 2022. At the time of her call, she was serving as second counselor in the primary general presidency. Sister Wright has served on the Young Women General Advisory Council and is stake and ward primary president, counselor in a ward relief society and primary presidency, relief society teacher, gospel doctrine teacher, and Cub Scout leader. Sister Wright graduated with a bachelor's degree in human development and family studies from the University of Utah in 1998. She worked as an office manager at Marquette University in the College of Communications. 
She also worked as a reading tutor and was a parent-teacher association volunteer. Recently, she assisted with marketing and advertising for a dental office. Amy Eileen Anderson was born January 6, 1972, in Salt Lake City, Utah. She married James McConkie Wright on June 24, 1994. They have three children. And, and those three children are actually boys. She's going to share a little bit about that in this general conference address. So to, to begin, I liked what Sister Wright shared here. Quote, President Dallin H. Oaks posed the following thought-provoking questions in relation to the coming of the bridegroom. And so we're talking here about the parable of the ten virgins. And in that parable, the bridegroom is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And these, these ten virgins are waiting for the arrival of the wedding feast, the bridegroom to come. And obviously, each one of us who is a follower of Jesus Christ can be likened to one of these virgins. But as we remember, there were five wise and five foolish, five who were unprepared for the coming of the bridegroom and five who were prepared with oil in their lamps. And the oil in their lamps is likened unto spiritual preparation. And I would invite you to look at the, the talk outline that I prepared for this talk. In footnote five, Sister Wright shared a quote from Jesus the Christ, which was written by James E. Talmadge. And it's a, a great summary of who is who in the, the parable of the 10 virgins. But so continuing on, let me, let me start that quote again. So Sister Wright had stated, President Dallin H. Oaks posed the following thought-provoking questions in relation to the coming of the bridegroom. What if the day of his coming were tomorrow? If we knew that we would meet the Lord tomorrow through our premature death or through his unexpected coming, what would we do today? And that came from an April 2004 General Conference address entitled Preparation for the Second Coming that then Elder Dallin H. Oaks had delivered. Sister I continues, I have learned from personal experience that spiritual preparation for the coming of the Lord is not only essential, but the only way to find true peace and happiness. Now, I'm recording this in preparation for this episode to be, to be released Sunday, January 21st. On January 18th, 2024, President Dallin H. Oaks posted on Instagram and it was it was literally exactly what Sister Wright shared in her general conference address. And I just thought that was a tender mercy that literally the week that I would be covering Sister Wright's talk in my podcast, that President Oaks would share this on Instagram. Here's what he said. People often inquire about the exact time of the second coming. Well, we cannot know that, see Matthew 24, 36, what if the day of his coming were tomorrow? If you knew that you would meet the Lord tomorrow through premature death or through his unexpected coming, what would you do today? Sounds pretty familiar, right, to what Sister Wright had shared. But in on Instagram, he continued, As Jesus taught in his prophecy of the second coming, blessed is the faithful and wise servant who is attending to his duty when the Lord comes. See Matthew 24, 45 through 46. Wherefore, the Savior tells us, be faithful, praying always, having your lamps trimmed and burning and oil with you, that you may be ready at the coming of the bridegroom. For behold, verily, verily, I say unto you that I come quickly. And that was from Doctrine and Covenants, section 33, verses 17 through 18. And President Oaks concluded, Jesus Christ lives. I testify that he shall come as he has promised. I thought that was a fantastic tender mercy that, that I, I felt like I should share. Additionally, on the way to dinner at my in-laws home this evening, my wife played the song, Live Like You Were Dying by Tim McGraw. And this line stood out to me. Someday I hope you get the chance 
to live like you were dying. Kind of interesting. I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. I don't think any of us would hope that we would be dying, but there's power when we recognize that life is is finite, that we will not go on forever in this life, that the choices that we make matter. And this week, we, Morgan and I learned sadly of the tragic passing of a member of our stake, formerly a, a member of our ward. She passed away in a, in a snowmobile accident, it sounds like, and it just reinforced to us that life is fragile, that we can't take for granted each breath. Later on in this season of General Conference Applied, we'll be covering Elder Gary Sabin's General Conference Address, and he shares a, a powerful story about his, his daughter, who I remember correctly was had to have a lung transplant and shared just how grateful she was after the surgery that she was able to breathe. And so Elder Sabin has, for many years now, prayed morning and night and thanked Heavenly Father that he can breathe. And sometimes we don't realize how much we have until we don't have it anymore. And it's powerful when we can live as if we were dying, when we can live as if we believed that our Savior Jesus Christ was coming tomorrow. How might your life be different if you believed that the Savior was coming tomorrow? Would you speak more kindly? Would you focus on different things? All right, here's another quote that I that I really liked. In fact, this is this is my favorite quote from Sister Wright's address. Let me just summarize. She she shares in her address that she found out that she had cancer. And she was stunned, she and her husband, and she says on the way home from the hospital that day, she her mind was reeling and she prayed and asked am I going to die? And she said that the spirit spoke to her and said, everything is going to be okay. And then she asked, am I going to live? And the spirit spoke to her again, everything is going to be okay. And she was a bit confused by that. She she says, and, and here's her quote, I'll pick up in her quote right here. I was confused. Why did I receive the exact same answer, whether I lived or died? And suddenly every fiber of my being filled with absolute peace as I was reminded, we did not need to hurry home and teach our children how to pray. They knew how to receive answers and comfort from prayer. We did not need to hurry home and teach them about the scriptures or words of living prophets. Those words were already a familiar source of strength and understanding. We did not need to hurry home and teach them about repentance, the resurrection, the restoration, the plan of salvation. Eternal families are the very doctrine of Jesus Christ. In that moment, every family home evening lesson, scripture study session, prayer of faith offered, blessing given, testimony shared, covenant made and kept, house of the Lord attended, and Sabbath day observed mattered. Oh, how it mattered. It was too late to put oil in our lamps. We needed every single drop, and we needed it right now. What a powerful quote. I, I, I really just liked that. I liked what she shared and well, and you're going to find out why, because it sparked just so many thoughts and I'm going to share one, two, three, four different resources here. A couple of book quotes, uh, a thought from a recent church news podcast episode, a former general conference address that president Nelson delivered in October, 2020. This, this thought of preparing now, of doing the small things day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, of focusing on our spiritual preparation so that when tragedy comes, and it does, it does, tragedy comes probably more often than we think and more often than we want. But when these challenges, these difficult things happen in our lives, we're ready for them, we can face them. 
So this first quote that I want to share comes from a book entitled The Art of Learning, An Inner Journey to Optimal Performance. The author is Josh Waitskin. Highly recommend this book, by the way. Really, really an interesting read. Josh Waitskin is a, he was a chess prodigy as a child and ends up leaving chess later, uh, late teens, maybe early 20s, and, and proceeds to become a, a world Tai Chi champion. Anyway, he just talks about how the, the art of learning, how he is able to accomplish such amazing feats. But I like this quote. He says, we don't live within a Hollywood screenplay where the crescendo erupts just when we want it to. And more often than not, the climactic moments in our lives will follow many unclimactic, normal, humdrum hours, days, weeks, or years. So how do we step up when our moment suddenly arises? My answer is to redefine the question. Not only do we have to be good at waiting, we have to love it. Because waiting is not waiting, it is life. Too many of us live without fully engaging our minds, waiting for that moment when our real lives begin. Years pass in boredom, but that is okay because when our true love comes around, where we discover our real calling, we will begin. Of course, the sad truth is that if we are not present to the moment, our true love could come and go and we wouldn't even notice. And we will have become someone other than the you or I who would be able to embrace it. I believe an appreciation for simplicity, the everyday, the ability to dive deeply into the banal and discover life's hidden richness is where success, let alone happiness, emerges. That's the end of the quote. How many of us have heard over the years the importance of just consistency, consistently praying as a family, consistently studying the, skip, the scriptures, holding family home evening, attending church, just consistent, consistent over time. Our children aren't going to remember a particular lesson, but they will remember that they did it, that the gospel was a priority. We're going to talk more about priorities and simplifying later in this podcast episode. Here's another resource that I wanted to share. So this was Church News Podcast episode 169. I believe it was the first week of 2024. It may have been January 2nd when it was released. The guest on the podcast episode was Elder Dale G. Renland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. The episode was entitled Elder Dale G. Renland on his testimony of the Book of Mormon and the Church's distribution of 200 million copies of the sacred text. But I liked what Elder Renland had to share about busy moms and busy dads. If you are a busy mom or a busy dad, this quote is for you. He stated, the wonder of come follow me is that it is terrific for busy moms and busy dads because of the way it is organized. So if we are really busy, the worst thing that we can do is to, t is to make it overly complex, to think that it has to be done in a certain way. It has to be a lesson. It has to be that way. Instead, what we can do is we can take our little gospel library app. We can go to come follow me 2024 tile. We go to individuals and families. We go to the material, you go to the week and you see what is there and you can scroll through it and you can get to a place that talks about ideas for family scripture study and home evening. And all of a sudden you have some passages. You can just read those. You can ask what the application is, or you find where there is a, a video that you can show and ask people in the family what they saw. And it does not require a huge amount of preparation to do that because it is laid out. It is simple. And I think then you do just that. You show the video, ask your children, and then you say as a busy mom or busy dad, well, that was great. Let's have prayer and go to bed. And so I think the biggest challenge is thinking that there is a huge preparation that is needed. Whereas just getting into it, just starting at picking the week, just looking through and seeing what little piece you want to read out of there, I think that helps. That's the end of the quote. I liked that practical approach that, yeah, if you're busy, okay, just simplify things. 
like we talked about, consistency, finding something, just something simple that I, I will say in the in this year's Come Follow Me manual, 2024, the Book of Mormon, there are, well, in the digital version, there are links to these uh, videos. I think they call them Book of Mormon stories, but it's, it's basically cartoon videos. They had these a couple of years ago in the Old Testament manual as well. But those are just two, three minutes long and very simple, easy to understand, teaches the stories. And my kids have enjoyed those. And, and I would put a plug in as well for the Book of Mormon videos that the church has, has produced and is continuing to produce throughout this year. Just, just this week, you can watch Nephi and Laman and Lemuel and Sam going back and getting Ishmael and his family to come with them. You can watch Lehi's vision of the tree of life. These video depictions are just a fabulous resource and it's all there and it's, it's easy. The, the church is making it easier and easier for us to study the gospel. And I hope that we're taking advantage of that. So we're still going on sister Wright's quote where she shared how she felt peace because she and her family had prepared spiritually. And this thought came to me and I was able to find this talk. I knew that president Nelson had talked about that temporal self-reliance, temporal preparedness was important, but that he worried more about spiritual preparedness. And, and I was able to find it. So this was in the midst of the pandemic. It was the October, 2020 general conference. The talk was entitled embrace the future with faith. Now I think president Nelson's headline talk from this general conference was let God prevail. And so perhaps we've overlooked this general conference address, but it was powerful. And I'm going to share a few paragraphs from it. President Nelson had stated, how are we to deal with both the somber prophecies and the glorious pronouncements about our day? The Lord told us how a simple but stunning reassurance. If ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. That comes from Doctrine and Covenants, section 38, verse 30. He continues, what a promise. It is one that can literally change the way we see our future. I recently heard a woman of deep testimony admit that the pandemic, combined with an earthquake in the Salt Lake Valley, and helped her realize she was not as prepared as she thought she was. When I asked whether she was referring to her food storage or her testimony, she smiled and said, yes. If preparation is our key to embracing this dispensation and our future with faith, how can we best prepare? For decades, the Lord's prophets have urged us to store food, water, and financial reserves for a time of need. The current pandemic has reinforced the wisdom of that counsel. I urge you to take steps to be temporally prepared, but I am even more concerned about your spiritual and emotional preparation. In that regard, we can learn a lot from Captain Moroni. As commander of the Nephite armies, he faced opposing forces that were stronger, greater in number, and meaner. So Moroni prepared his people in three essential ways. First, he helped them create areas where they would be safe, places of security, he called them. Second, he prepared the minds of the people to be faithful unto the Lord. And third, he never stopped preparing his people, physically or spiritually. The adversary never stops attacking, so we can never stop preparing. The more self-reliant we are, temporally, emotionally, and spiritually, the more prepared we are to thwart Satan's relentless assaults. That's the end of President Nelson's quote. And then here's just a quick quote. This comes from a book entitled Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't. The author was Jim Collins. Collins wrote, if you, ex if you successfully apply these ideas, but then stop doing them, you will slide backward from great to good or worse. The only way to remain great is to keep applying the fundamental principles that made you great. And I thought that was just a perfect tie-in to Captain Moroni, right? That he didn't stop preparing his people. And we can never stop preparing either. 
we are either moving forward toward our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ or backward. There's, there's no such thing as staying still in this, in this mortal journey on the covenant path. And what, what's most important then, I guess, is to continue doing what, what's got us here in the first place, to continue focusing on our covenants, to continue striving to be like Jesus Christ. There's, there's, there's not going to be a certain point in this life that we've arrived, right? It's, it's a journey. It's all about the process. Okay, here was another quote from Sister Wright's talk that I enjoyed. And, and this is, actually explains where she comes up with the, the phrase, abide the day. It is a reminder that the name of the, the general conference address was abide the day in Christ. So she's going to explain what she means by abide the day. Here's what she stated. In the end, because of Jesus Christ, everything can be okay. We learn from a careful study of the Doctrine and Covenants what okay looks like. And at that day, when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived, verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. That comes from Doctrine and Covenants, section 45, verses 56 through 57. Sister I continues, Jesus Christ makes it possible for us to abide the day. Abiding the day does not mean adding to an ever-increasing to-do list. Think of a magnifying glass. Its sole purpose is not simply to make things appear bigger. It can also gather and focus light to make it more powerful. And then she shares, and this is actually her invitation, we need to simplify, focus our efforts, and be gatherers of the light of Jesus Christ. We need more holy and revelatory experiences. That's the end of the quote. So to abide the day means that we're not hewn down and cast into the fire at Christ's second coming, that we are found his. I was touched by a reel that Sister Amy Wright shared on her Instagram account. This was during general conference weekend after she had delivered her address. And the video was great. And, and I've shared the link in the show notes and you can go watch that video if you'd like. But this was the caption that she had shared with the reel. It was from October 2nd, 2023. After submitting the talk I gave during general conference, I suddenly felt like the message was too simple. It wasn't smart enough. It wasn't deep enough. It wasn't creative enough. It was just too simple. As I was expressing these concerns to my dear friend and executive secretary, Jill, she reminded me that the words I wrote were inspired by Heavenly Father and that the overarching theme of my message was one of simplicity. Friends like Jill are essential in keeping us grounded and reminding us of spiritual truths and the love our Savior has for us. That's the end of the quote uh, from, from that caption from Instagram. I like that. That simplicity may seem simple, but it's uh, it's by no means easy. And uh, let's we're, we'll talk a little bit more about simplicity throughout this podcast episode. And then finally, the the last quote that I wanted to share, Sister Wright had stated, we cannot share our oil, but we can share his, Jesus Christ's light. Oil in our lamps will not only help us abide the day, but can also be the means of illuminating the path that leads those we love to the Savior, who stands ready with open arms to receive them. And I had written this in my journal about this quote, being prepared, even overprepared, allows us to better serve those around us. Get things done efficiently at work so I'm home with family. But first things first each morning so that when things come up, serving or helping someone, I'm available. You know, I just completed the, the busiest two weeks of my work year. And I realized that they were very busy in part because I had procrastinated. 
there was actually a lot that I could have completed earlier rather than leaving it for the last minute. And part of what the Spirit's been whispering to me over the past couple of weeks during these busy work weeks and as I prepared for this podcast episode and studied Sister Wright's general conference address this week is that is that 24 needs to be the year for me to get on top of things, to be on time, to cease procrastinating, to get ahead. And I, mean, I want to over-prepare in 2024. I want to get on top of things. And grateful that I realized that at the beginning of this year and I can make that happen during 2024. So let's dive into how we might consider taking action. So once again, here was that invitation. We need to simplify, focus our efforts and be gatherers of the light of Jesus Christ. We need more holy and revelatory experiences. So I had summarized this as simplify life and focus on Jesus. Simplify life and focus on Jesus. I thought the best way that I could share this is by sharing some thoughts from a book entitled Choosing Glory. This was written by Lily DeHoyos Anderson. She, she has her own podcast. It's entitled Choosing Glory. It's a Come Follow Me podcast. She was also a guest a couple of times on the Follow Him podcast that Hank Smith and John, John by the way, host and and I had, I had been listening to Sister Anderson's podcast for a while. I haven't been listening to it lately, but I did listen to her book. It was entitled Choosing Glory, which is the same name as her podcast. And I really liked what she had to share in her book about what she terms terrestrial stress, or the Martha Syndrome, and celestial stress, or the Wilderness Syndrome. So I'm going to share some some insights from, from those pages in her book. So this is quoting from, from Choosing Glory. Terrestrial stress could be called the Martha Syndrome in honor of the good woman, sister to Mary and Lazarus, who is depicted in a painting hanging in many Relief Society rooms all over the world. The painting shows Martha and her sister, Mary, with Christ as they fed him in their home one evening. The story is told in the last four verses of Luke chapter 10. We read that Martha complained to the Savior because Mary wasn't helping in the kitchen. The Savior responded with words we have often heard, Mary has chosen the better part, and it shall not be taken from her. Just before those words, however, are other important words that I believe define terrestrial stress. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled over many things. Luke chapter 10, verse 41. Martha was careful and troubled, stressed, over terrestrial things. At that moment, it was cleaning up after a meal. Like Martha, we can become troubled over many things that fall into a terrestrial category. These are not evil things. In some ways, evil could be, could be identified and eliminated more easily. With terrestrial stress, the things that burden us are good or necessary, but nevertheless of the world. In order to free ourselves from terrestrial stress, we must reduce and simplify some of the good, but temporal things in our lives. Sister Anderson continues, women in particular seem to have problems with the Martha syndrome. We have much care and trouble over cooking, cleaning, laundry, bills to pay, holidays to prepare for, decorating and gardens. Mothers worry about children's homework, the science fair, soccer practice, music lessons, Cub Scouts, PTA, and keeping all the baby books and scrapbooks up to date. There are birthday parties to plan, worthwhile community involvements, vaca vacations and food storage to be obtained and rotated, and, oh yes, we should be cooking with locally grown organic produce. We may feel guilty if we aren't actively supporting the political candidate of our choice. We may worry that our homes aren't more like the temple, or at least more like the after pictures in home decorating magazines. We try to provide our children with any number of good experiences and struggle to find, times to, ex find time to exercise. The list could quite literally consume many pages. 
Every time we look at a magazine cover in the grocery store, browse the television channels, or notice what our neighbors are doing, we find more to add to the list. She continues a couple of pages later, men get trapped in terrestrial stress too. Employment is a necessary, even divinely ordained, temporal concern, but if allowed, it can draw too much of a man's focus, time, and energy, and a man may find himself running faster than he has strength. Along with employment, there are plenty of other temporal concerns that compete for attention. House maintenance and repair, gardening, landscaping and yard work, keeping the cars running, coaching kids' teams, and whatever other responsibilities husbands and fathers assume. And these are just the productive ways we can spend our time, with movies, television, video games, the internet, sports, hobbies, online social networking, and many, many other things that fill our time and take our money, we add to our terrestrial stress. To eliminate it, we may need to make very difficult decisions. Reducing the number of things we allow to take priority and learning to streamline and simplify the necessary tasks of life. And then a number of pages later, she talks about celestial stress. Although celestial stress may seem, may seem a contradiction in terms, full participation in the plan of salvation requires what could be described as a stressful wilderness experience. In the scriptures, we read about many individuals and groups that were called into the wilderness before being led to the promised land. Moses and the Israelites, Lehi and his family, the Jaredites, even our Latter-day pioneers. Similarly, God calls each of us to enter a spiritual wilderness to prepare for the kingdom. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Go ye out from Babylon. Friendship of the world is enmity with God. We need to spiritually leave the world and shed our worldly baggage in order to be prepared to receive his spirit and his kingdom and his promised land forever. Shedding worldly baggage is stressful and this preparatory refining, pro refining stress awaits us in the spiritual wilderness. The wilderness experience of celestial stress helps us become more celestial people and can include many different refining experiences and trials. She continues, to truly acquire Christ's image in our countenance, to be like him when he appears, requires a monumental commitment and enduring effort. All that we can do, in addition to the grace of Christ, this effort may sometimes cause our souls to groan with the realization of our weakness, or, or our weaknesses. Nevertheless, this is the business of life, the purpose of the great plan of happiness, to invite us into the spiritual wilderness to experience spiritual growing pains on our path to perfection. The question that characterizes this effort to become Christ-like is, what lack I yet? To become like the Savior, we have to hitch our wagon to a celestial star and stop worrying about the measurements of the world. We have to leave all worldly baggage along the way. We must be prepared to lay it all on the altar, determinedly breaking the chains that bind us to Babylon. Other ways we experience celestial stress may include suffering failure of our dreams and personal ambition, being subjected to criticism or rejection, perhaps even by friends and family, for our efforts to serve God before all others, struggling through the anguished loss of a loved one or the pain of a failed marriage, accepting the loneliness of a life without marriage, submitting to a crippling disability, accident, or disease, as well as to all things the Lord seeth fit to, to inflict upon us. Of course, such difficult experiences can happen to any individual, whether he is living at a, at a telestial or terrestrial level, or trying to lift himself to a more celestial life. What makes these difficult experiences celestial stress rather than merely painful and destructive is, first, that we are not living in such a way that they are merely a consequence of our own telestial choices, but rather, we are trying to live in a way that is, that is acceptable to God, and second, our response to the trials is a yielding to the refining process rather than an angry and rebellious spirit. In our yielding, we allow the spirit to work with us and in us to cleanse, refine, and purify not only our actions, but also our thoughts and motives. In this process, we allow the Lord to consecrate our afflictions for our gain. And then I like how she summarized all of these thoughts. 
over the next couple of paragraphs. We do not have to be subject to every kind of stress. We choose the kind of stress we allow in our lives. Some choose to waste their lives in telestial stress. The world constantly invites us to eat, drink, and be merry. There are wasted lives all around, the lives of those who flout the commandments of God, even with impunity. Eventually, they will reap the whirlwind, for the ultimate outcome of telestial stress is destruction, tragedy, waste. Though not as outwardly devastating, the trap of terrestrial stress ensnares many good people. Such people may accomplish significant temporal good, but ultimately, they get lost in the thick of thin things. The problem for these honorable men of the earth is that although they may be largely free of telestial stress and obedient to basic commandments, they are so busy with terrestrial concerns that they, that they do not ever move into the spiritual wilderness and get about the true business of life. It's tragic that by consecrating, that by concentrating so much on performing good works, we may prevent ourselves from ever beginning the essential saving works. We can get caught up in the urgent at the expense of the vital. Many temporal tasks have deadlines attached. If I do not put gas in the car, I'll be in trouble. If I do not pay this bill on time, I'll be in trouble. If I do not get the Christmas shopping done, I'll be in trouble. Too often these urgent tasks get in the way of the vital ones, which generally have no clear deadlines attached. If we don't study the scriptures today, the house won't fall down. If we don't have a bonding family time this week, we'll get by. If we don't have meaningful prayer and learn to receive revelation, well, maybe we can work that in next week. We get caught, again, putting things that matter most at the mercy of things that ultimately matter much less. Our third and only worthwhile choice is celestial stress. If we repent of our sins and lead obedient lives, then learn to appropriately balance terrestrial concerns. We can choose the celestial stress of a, of a spiritual wilderness. Following the admonitions of the prophets, we simplify and leave the world, worldliness, behind, still in the world, but no longer of it. We come to know the Savior, for he has promised, I will also be your light in the wilderness, and inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall be led towards the promised land, and ye shall know that it is by me that ye are led. This is a path of individual tutelage. Only the Savior can teach us how to become like him. He can whisper through his spirit those precious communications concerning what we, what we personally must do. It is too noisy in the rest of the world. Indeed, if we are caught up in the terrestrial, we won't hear that voice. And then she concludes, Choosing telestial or terrestrial stress is like spending money and labor on things that can never satisfy us. The gospel of Jesus Christ, a gift without price and yet priceless, does not have the answers to our stressful. Excuse me, the gospel of Jesus Christ, a gift without price and yet priceless, does have the answers to our stressful lives. Our best choice, the only choice that allows us full participation in the purpose of the plan, is to follow the prophet and get ourselves into that spirit, into that celestial spiritual wilderness, where the real work of life can begin. There we can fulfill the measure of, of our creation, ultimately, completely, and become men and women of Christ, a force for good for building the kingdom. Whether or not we are here upon the earth when Christ comes again, we are influencing the generations that will be here to receive him. We must teach and exemplify the principles of the gospel that will likewise apply to their busy and stressful lives. In doing so, we will come to know the Savior. He will be our light and lead us to our promised land. I thought that was just some, some powerful concepts to consider. That each one of us is going to experience terrestrial stress, obviously. We, we do need to put food on the table. But are we deliberately adding too much terrestrial stress into our lives? and thereby focusing less and less on celestial stress. Those, those are some, some questions that I've been contemplating, and there are many thoughts and ideas in the world about how you could go about eliminating or, or reducing the amount of terrestrial stress. 
One powerful idea that stands out to me is minimalism, where you you limit the, the number of temporal possessions that you own and thereby have less to worry about, right? Because everything that you buy comes with, well, if it's a gadget, it comes with attachments or upgrades or other things that go along with it. But it's all of these things hold our attention and pull us away from ultimately those things which matter most. I, I think our Savior Jesus Christ is a wonderful example of someone who was obviously not bogged down by temporal things, that he rejected the comforts of life, instead focusing on that celestial stress that Sister Anderson wrote about in Choosing Glory. So what does simplifying your life and focusing on Jesus Christ look like to you? I, I want to share a, a couple of different ideas that I had of how you might go about taking action on this invitation from Sister Wright, and then, and then I'll share how I'm going to take action, and then we'll wrap up this podcast episode. One idea that I had for taking action on simplifying life and focusing on Jesus is to study that general conference address that I've shared from already in this podcast episode. It was entitled, Embrace the Future with Faith, delivered by President Russell M. Nelson in the October 2020 General Conference. You, you could study that General Conference address and take action on one of his invitations. He, he's focusing that in that talk on, on spiritual preparedness, which is obviously something that Sister Wright is pushing for. And so... One of the invitations from that general conference address, President Nelson had stated, I urge you to take steps to be temporally prepared, but I am even more concerned about your spiritual and emotional preparation. Thus, you might identify the spiritual and emotional preparation that's lacking in your life and strive to close the gap starting this week. Another place you might start is just journaling on this topic or something like it. How am I unnecessarily complicating my life? And what am I going to do to change it? So I think it's, and I discussed this in previous podcast episodes, but I think it's powerful to take action, to report to an accountability partner. Each, each week I commit to an accountability partner that I will take action on something that I learned from each of these general conference addresses. So in the previous episode of General Conference Applied, season two, episode 15, I had committed to answering the following four questions for reflection in my journal. First, why should I walk the covenant path? Second, do I need to enter a house for making covenants? Third, why do I wear the holy garment? And fourth, should I invest in a covenant relationship with the Lord? I, if you'll allow me, I'd like to share my response that I had to that fourth question. Should I invest in a covenant relationship with the Lord? I wrote, immediately after asking these four questions in the October 2023 General Conference, Young Women General President Emily Bell Freeman stated, the answer to these good and important questions is simple. It depends on what degree of relationship you want to experience with Jesus Christ. I continued in my journal entry, shortly before my mission in early 2008, our family traveled to Honolulu to visit my uncle Steve and Aunt Kathy, who were serving as mission leaders there. I've never forgotten the fondness with which Uncle Steve spoke about his missionaries. He said he could count on them. I went on to become one of those dependable missionaries for President Bat in the Brazil Fortaleza mission. Thus, I should invest in a covenant relationship with the Lord. I want him to be able to count on me. And I know with the Lord I can become more than I ever could without him. A relationship with him is transformative. This week, I to take action on Sister Wright's invitation, I will dedicate 10 minutes 
to journaling on this topic. What actions do I need to take to become more prepared in my life? Of these actions, which is the most pressing and how will I take action this week? How will you take action on this general conference address? Feel free to let me know on social media. You can email me, mitch at mitchellryanpeterson.com if you're looking for an accountability partner. But if you remember nothing else from this podcast episode, remember this. Sister Wright is inviting us to simplify life and focus on Jesus. Sister Wright is inviting us to simplify life and focus on Jesus. I testify of him, of our Savior Jesus Christ, I know that he loves us, that he knows us perfectly, that he is our advocate. I'm grateful for his wonderful example of someone who simplified life and achieved so much. I testify of our, of our Heavenly Father, who knows us, loves us, desires for us to return to his presence, but he loves us enough to know that We should struggle, that we should experience that celestial stress, that all of these experiences, as as the prophet Joseph Smith learned in Liberty Jail, will be for our good. I know that many of you, myself included, are experiencing hard things, that life can be overwhelming at times, But I testify that all of this matters. It's not for naught. I testify that the covenant path does lead back to eternal life with our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ. I testify that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is Jesus Christ's Church that the priesthood authority held in this church enables covenants and ordinances to be bound here on earth and in heaven. I know that. I testify of these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you once again to those of you who have subscribed to the podcast, who are sharing it with others, who are rating the podcast that enables the the algorithms to get this podcast in front of others. I am grateful for who I am becoming because of general conference applied. Once again, invite you to take action on something from this general conference address. Have a great week. I look forward to speaking with you in future episodes.